0: Hey, everybody, it's Jason. I know you've heard my voice many times in the podcast, and I'm here to tell you about something very interesting coming up. I want to let you know about an incredible opportunity for you to get free tips and strategies to build and monetize your personal brand. My good friend Rory Vaden is a New York Times bestselling author and Hall of Fame speaker, and he and his wife founded a company called Brand Builders Group. And they have put together a huge online summit where they're interviewing some of the most influential personal brands in the world on their never-before-shared secrets of how they became who they are today. So who's speaking at the summit? We've got Lewis Howes, got Michael Hyatt, Dennis Rodman, Kevin Harrington, Jay Baer, Donald Miller, and more. This is a rare opportunity for you to hear the stories about how they became New York Times bestselling authors, how they built high-paid keynote speaking careers, how they have grown massive online followings, and exactly what they have done to create large, multi seven figure businesses. If you're someone who is looking to create any type of influence, you have to check this out. It's totally free. And you're going to be learning from the masters who've actually done this. So I encourage you to head over to the show notes today. And in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to this summit again, completely free. Take a look at it. I feel super confident you will find it valuable. And now enjoy the episode. (laughs) My guest on the show today is Hope Timberlake. Hope is a speaker, a trainer, and an author who focuses on the communication side of leadership. By creating rapport and building trust, Hope successfully empowers people to excel as communicators, influencers, and leaders. She's proud of her energetic, creative, and results oriented approach. She works with executives and their teams across many industries at companies, including Airbnb, Autodesk, Bank of America, BlackRock, Deloitte, Dropbox, Intel, Splunk and many startups. Welcome, Hope. Good to have you here today.
1: Thanks, Jason. So glad to be here.
0: Yes, it is a delight. So we've been talking about this, Hope, for... um, I think we met maybe four or five months ago. I don't know exactly when it was, but we've been talking about having you on. So as soon as I met you, we met through a mutual mutual friend. And I'm like, I got to have Hope in my podcast. And I finally have gotten through my content. So I'm like, okay, now I can have Hope on. She's got a book. So I'm actually glad we waited because we have even okay. more to talk about now so it's perfect so thank you for being here with us today
1: I'm thrilled to be here
0: All right shall we get right into it Let's do it All right so hope first things first what's something that you nerd out about
1: I I nerd about I nerd out about reading the paper it's it's boring but it's true reading it's like not, the actual
0: paper is that a thing still
1: well this is the thing i mean i call <laughs> it reading the paper but it's really just nerding out every single morning i have to go through the news the the headlines of the new york times and go through double click get my whole blood pumping all kinds of feelings about everything happening in the world and then I meditate. So it's a very Wait, funky way. Yes, it's a very That's funky so way. That's so weird. Like, it's like you jump into the ice cold lake and you're like, oh, okay. And now I'm just going to relax in the sauna.
0: Wait, so you, re- you read the paper, you hear mm-hmm. all the news and then mm-hmm. you go and meditate.
1: I do, I do. It's, isn't it's that
0: very not, yeah, I was going to say, isn't that pretty much against everything that all meditation gurus say to do?
1: Jason, I'm sort of counterculture, you know? No, I, I love it. That?
0: No, I actually <laughs> love it. I, I know. I, I love it. I'm, it's not making you wrong at all. It's just interesting. Cause they're like most people that with mindfulness are like, get up in the morning and don't look uh-huh. at your phone and don't read anything and like go and yeah. prepare for the day. You're like, no, nah, I'm going to see what's, I'm going to see what's wrong in the world. And then I'm going to meditate.
1: Exactly. I know what they say. And I've tried that and I liked my way better.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't work for you. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I'm feeling I, I need, I need to know more about this because I'm intrigued. Yes. I think this might work better for me too, because my mind is so curious in the morning
2: mm-hmm. and I am
0: somebody I get up, I look at sports scores, look at the weather. Mm-hmm. But I I told myself a while ago, if I did that, I couldn't like really have a peaceful morning. Right. But it sounds like maybe I can.
1: I don't know. Try it let me know.
0: <laughs> I will have to try it and let you know. Um, how long do you meditate for?
1: Not long enough. I stupidly read a book recently that said, oh, as long as you meditate, 20 or more minutes a day, you will have this whole long list of health benefits. Mm -hmm. I do the 10 minute version of the Headspace app and I I call it a success.
0: Yeah. What, how long have you been meditating for?
1: I've been trying on and off for, I'd say about five years now. And Mm -hmm. I will do, I mean, so to your point about what, what people say to do, I do a version of that. So I do read the news. I do read the headlines. And then I meditate and then I check my email because the problem checking my email, uh, well, that can like open up a whole bunch uh, of yeah. all kinds of things. So I do reward myself, of you know, oh, you have to do this. So sort of eat your, eat your kale and then you get to eat dessert. <laughs>
0: Wait, for you, your email is your dessert because my email is not my dessert.
1: It's, you're right. You're right. It's a terrible <laughs> analogy. And actually, I don't think, I think meditation, I'm not a big kale person. So I actually think meditation is a little more interesting than kale. So, yes. Yeah, terrible analogy.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing. Uh, that is not at all what I was expecting. I, I <laughs> The reason I always start with this question is I get so many, I've never had the same answer. I'm to be, sure. And I've done, we're coming up on episode 100. Um, but that's a really fascinating and quite, like you said, counterculture, counterintuitive thing. Counter- yeah. Um, cool. I'm going to ask you more about this later. I think I'm going to come <laughs> back to this because now I'm like super intrigued, yeah. but I'm going to ask you uh, next about something, um, to do with your comfort zone. And what I want to know, hope is about something that is inside of your comfort zone. In other words, something that's like super easy for you, kind of a superpower that's going to be outside somebody else's and you're getting a caveat from me because I can do that. Cause I'm the host. That's I'm taking fair. public speaking off the table. It's just okay. too easy. Yes. It's right. too in your face. Yes. I'm also now going to take um, meditating after reading the New York times <laughs> off the list. So what's something else that is comes very naturally to you that comes, that is not going to be natural for somebody else.
1: Well, I have a two-part answer to this, What I would say the first thing that I think of when, when you ask that question is water skiing, I slalom water ski. I love it to this day. I'm I'm no longer a spring chicken. And I get out there and I'm like, I'm going to cut and I'm going to do all the different, not tricks, but just really, really push myself out on the water. But I think it's really a bigger thing of, I really love trying new things. Like I am Mm. completely comfortable. So in this water skiing example, I was there, I was on a lake in Maine over Labor Day weekend. And someone said, do you want to try wake surfing? And I was conflicted because I love water skiing so much that I thought, if I wake surf, I might be too sore to do my favorite thing. And I was like, nope, screw it. I love trying new things. Let's let's give it a shot. And it worked out okay. beautifully that I was able to do both. But it, um, I just, I have no, it's not that I'm, I, I have plenty of fear, but in general, when it comes to trying something new, I am all in.
0: Yeah. Do you, um I have two questions here. Mm-hmm. One, what's wake surfing? I don't know what that yes. means.
1: Okay. So it's really funny. So it's, it looks like a surfboard. Yeah. And there's no, there's no, there's no place to like, there's no containers for your feet. So you put your feet on the board. So it's like a surfboard. A, it's like a surfboard. And you it, It's got some grip, but it has nothing containing the top of your feet. Got so it. So it's very... You have to have a lot of faith to do this because you have your heels on the board. That's all. Only yeah. that your your body's in the water, your heels are on the board, your toes are pointing off of the board. And you trust that the way physics works with the boat, you're holding on to a handle like you would water. Oh. Speed, and that by staying in this tight little ball, your feet will then land on the surfboard. you are on the surfboard, and now you are surfing while wow. holding on to a rope.
0: I've never heard of this. And I'm from Minnesota originally. I, I think I should know about this.
1: You should know about so this.
0: I should, but I, I didn't grow up with a boat. But so no. it's called, It's it, I know wakeboarding. Is it the same thing?
1: It's not. It is because wakeboarding, ah. I think you're actually, uh, t- like I think you're attached to it kind of like snowboarding, I think. So. I, think. I, think so, I think so, yeah. I, I haven't actually tried that one. But this one, you're not attached onto anything. You're just standing on the board. And I'll be wow. honest, it sounds... Well, it's not easy, but it, it, I think it sounds harder than it is. Like yeah. if you are someone who has been around water and like it, what it, it you could once you're on the board, you're not gonna fall off. I mean, you might fall because yeah. of other things, but not because your feet aren't attached.
0: What, um, how, like, what's this, what's the speed that, a like, how fast does mm. the boat pull you at?
1: Not as fast as water skiing. In order to water ski, I need it to go really fast because to get up in a slalom and have all those muscles, like I need them to like gun it, wake for it, wake surfing, it's not as fast. I don't know exact, I don't know. What, is, what do boats do? I mean, what? like a power the boat can easily do minute, 50, RPMs?
0: 55. Like, well, you can do 50, 55 miles an hour, no problem in a power boat. Like yeah, with skiers behind you.
1: But I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what speed I water, even though I love doing these sports, I have no clue. I just tell the, I tell the boat, okay. <laughs>
0: like just that throttle thing. It. Like, could you just push it forward? Yeah. yeah that's what that thing's
1: called. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, So you have a family.
1: I do have a family.
0: Do you find your, um, your spawn, otherwise known as your mm-hmm. children? Are they also, mm-hmm. fear- are they also fearless?
1: One more than the other. Mm-hmm. One is a little more worried about doing things correctly. So mm. uh, he will be, He's happy to do things when he knows or thinks he could do it well. She is more like me, and it's like I don't care if I make a fool look like a fool. I'm I'm jumping in, and I'm just mm. gonna literally and metaphorically dive in.
0: That's cool. And how about your partner?
1: Uh, he is a little more like my son, so they're they're yeah. a little more cautious. A little more. Yep,
0: cautious. yep. That's not a surprise. Not a yes. surprise that that works. Yes. All right. So hope flip the script on this one. What's right. something that is outside of your comfort zone, which is an interesting question after telling us that you're fairly fearless. I'm interested mm-hmm. what you're going to say here. Mm-hmm. What's something that's outside your comfort zone that's going to be inside of somebody else's?
1: Well, I assume this is inside of some people's and I, I think people think it's inside my comfort zone, but it is not. I hate, I have, a, I'm very uncomfortable promoting myself, which is. Some people might find funny because Quite I have ironic. a lot of content, and yes, I have a book called "Speak Up, Damn It." So I'm totally happy sharing my ideas, sharing exercises, sharing content when I know it's teaching, educating. But when it comes to actually creating visible visibility for myself, mm. that feels very uncomfortable. And yes, I I fully embrace the irony.
0: Yeah. So we're we'll talk more in the episode about. You know like how you make your living, your background, and everything we've got we've got mm-hmm. plenty of time for that. I'm curious, does this also include asking for money?
1: oh. Yes. Asking for money, negotiating rates. I am the worst. <laughs> I'm really, really bad. in fact, I've heard from multiple pe- people in different courses around how you should aim to negotiate every day. So for those of us who have, have struggles with this. So for example, you should negotiate. All right, if right. You're at the Starbucks and be like, you know, could I get an extra pump? And they might say, well, that costs something and be like, ah, oh, you know, I actually don't have that. I mean, which is hard to do these days because it's not like we're paying with cash very often. Like you but have
0: a Starbucks app on your phone, lady. Exactly. What are you talking about?
1: <laughs> exactly. But you should find a way to negotiate something every single day so that you get used to the idea that mm. everything in life is negotiable. And that is is not my skill set.
0: Yeah. That, not, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking for myself, I like to, I don't have any problem negotiating in a business context, negotiating, like in my personal life sounds horrible. Like going to Starbucks and negotiating an extra thing for like 25 cents.
1: Right. I would,
0: I don't think I will be doing that. That sounds terrible.
1: But you, but the good thing is that you are good at doing it where it really matters.
0: Yeah. And, like, oh, well, maybe you know, I'm good. I don't even know if I'm good at it. I don't know.
1: But you're, but you're comfortable. It's not, it's not. Well, I come from a sales that.
0: background, so it's exactly. pretty normal. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. Um, that, the very cool answer. Um, I hope none of your future clients or, uh, clients now are listening. They're like, wait a second. Hope hates negotiating. <laughs> totally,
1: I know <laughs> you, you I, just sounded yourself. Hope I did. I, I absolutely did.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. That's funny. Uh, all right. So we're going to talk about public speaking now, but right? not in the con. We're, we're going to talk a lot more about this because I've already introduced you. This is what you do. You literally have a book behind you on video <laughs> called speak up. Damn it. We're going to talk all about this. Before we do that, though, um, what would you speak on if I could give you five minutes and you could speak to the entire world? And what would be your call to action for all of us who hear you speak?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to separate what my book and my focus is these days. So it's, it's going to be related to that. But the my one of my big passions is having people communicate effectively. And one of the reasons why I think they don't do it is they're too focused internally. So if you could take that internal voice, the internal criticism, the internal hesitation, and focus externally and think instead, like, oh no, am I going to say something stupid? Am I going to make a mistake? More, what kind of value can I add to this group, this person? How are they going to receive this information? I wonder what kind of questions they're going to ask. So I would love to speak, take five minutes to talk about the importance of flipping from the internal focus to the external focus. And secondarily, I don't know if I'm cheating by adding the second one. Secondarily, You're definitely
0: cheating, but that's okay.
1: The, <laughs> the power of the pause. So, and I think they work hand in hand. So some of it is... We get nervous and, and often women, but men too, you know, ramble on and question and talking too much and all this. And if you can just pause, take a breath, think about that audience, deliver something dynamic and powerful and interesting, pause to see their reaction. And keep going. So I just think that those two things hand in hand, external focus and the pause, I could spend five minutes or five days. Discussing.
0: Five days. And as a matter of fact, you can spend five days because you do this for a living. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. awesome. It's sort, of,
1: it's sort of a cheat question.
0: But yeah, yes. no, absolutely. Well, it's, it's not the a answer. cheat. It's the question I ask all my guests and I yeah. was expecting a very... I had very high expectations for your answer and you, <laughs> you overachieved. So thank you, Hope. Um, okay, okay. Before we break for a, a brief commercial, I wanted to ask you two things. One, what do you believe makes a, a, an effective communicator? If you had to boil and like, let's boil it down to like, what are the three things that makes somebody mm-hmm. what you would say that person is an effective communicator? What are those three things?
1: Yeah. All right. The three things, you've heard this before, is they... Use their presence well, and I'll say that through pauses. In terms of, I'm owning my space, I'm sharing some information, I am confident enough to pause, I don't have to over explain, I don't have to ramble. So, the first is the pause, the second is the connection. Like, I'm really focused on how I'm going to connect with you both physically, the eye contact, the leaning in, the inclusive gestures, but also the content. Like, how do I? figure out how my content connects with you and what you need and what's important to you and what you're worried about. Mm -hmm. And the third is energy. And that seems maybe surprising, but just this idea of we can't communicate powerfully. We can't connect well if we're not putting some energy and passion into what we're saying. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be like we're a cheerleader. It could be energetically sharing how dismayed we are at we didn't, you know, we didn't get the deal or some version of emotion in, in your communication.
0: Mm. It sounds to me like if you have the energy and you have the connection, the pauses will come naturally. If you don't have them, you're likely going to miss the first one. And I, I happen to be somebody who has also been significantly trained in public speaking. Just like, I know you are, you know, I'm just going to call it, this is not rocket science, right? Like there's no For great sure. mystery to good presentations and good presenters. Right. The great mystery is your authentic. This is my opinion is the authentic yeah. style that hope brings versus what Jason brings versus what, I don't know. Like, I think, you know, like, uh, uh, Barack Obama, I think is a phenomenal mm-hmm. public speaker. Like what does he bring? Bill Clinton was no, is known as a, amazing public speaker, like what's the thing that each of us brings for those listening out there who they're not passionate about what they talk about. Let's Mm -hmm. say people in corporate salespeople. They're like, I don't like what I'm selling, but I got to do the presentations and they have, and therefore they have trouble connecting. And they're also aware of their, their nervous energy of not pausing, or they've never been taught to not pause, which we're going to talk about after the break some things you too, but I'm, I'm having you give us one free pro tip here. Just one though. This Happy one's for free. The next one, the next yeah. one we're going to pay hope for <laughs> what's the, what's like the number one thing that you could people have people do. And I, I ask you this because I hear just pause more. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's always great Mm-mm. advice because that kind of like, what's the, what's the thing that you advise and you teach when you're training mm-hmm. people? What's the one thing you say, start with what?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Guess what? Your listeners are going to get two pro tips. So I'm going to, far, I'm for going to free? start for free. Yeah, okay. For free. Nice. And, nice, yeah, Generous. What can I say? I love it. I love it. Well, I want to, I want to address the energy one first and then the pause because just this week I was working with an executive who is presenting an important proposal to the CEO of a very large company of her large company. And, and I said, she said, I worry cause I sound flat. I often sound flat when I present mm. And I said, well, what are you passionate about? What, 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 what about this idea Do you are you really excited about? And she's like, honestly? I said, honestly. She's like, nothing. She's like, I don't really care. Yeah. They could take it or leave it. I don't know. I mean, it's my job. I, I did the analysis and I'll share it. And I was like, all right. So if you're not passionate about what you're sharing, are you interested in being in this room? She's like, I'm really nervous, but I'm very excited that I get to present to the CEO. Like if I take a step back, the idea that I have done the work that is CEO quality is exciting. I was like, okay, so there's always something, and it might be a stretch, but there's always something that we can think about that is is exciting. And I mean, I don't know if you have to do it, if you've been in this corporate job for forever and you really hate everything, maybe it's exciting that like, if I do this really well, then I get I'm finished and I can move on with my day. I mean there's gotta be something that <laughs> you get
0: excited me. about not doing it anymore. That's perfect. Exactly. Hot, negative reinforcement. reinforcement.
1: Right. And I don't start there. In fact, I, yeah, I that's rarely great. go there. But just find something that you're like, this is interesting, this is exciting, and I I I get to do this now. So there's that. Now you're right about the pauses because it's I work with plenty of people who will say a million filler words. And there's no way if you say, stop doing the filler words or pause, they're, they're still going to do that. So instead I talk about speaking in digestible chunks of information. So what I think about is let's pretend that you and I are in the same room, or we could do this virtually where I, I create a ball, I have a ball next to my, my desk, or sometimes i will do is I'll take a piece of paper and I'll crumple it up into a ball. Now, this ball is all my content, all my information, all my ideas. And what I want to do is I want to throw this ball to you. I'm sharing a digestible idea, some version of a sentence or a thought, an idea, not a long one, but just like, Jason, I want to tell you the key to learning how to pause. And I share that idea with you by throwing my content to you.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You're capturing my idea and you're throwing back your reaction. So it's that when, when I'm waiting for you to throw back metaphorically your reaction, that's my pause. So I'm like, okay, Jason, I'm going to share this really cool idea about how to pause. And I'm waiting to see, is he curious? Is he bored? Is he nodding? Like he already knows. And then once I catch your, your reaction, or I wait for the pause, then I go on to my next statement or my next idea. And like, the way to pause is to think about it as a conversation, yeah, and pause for reactions.
0: Yeah, the, the, to just to wrap with this, one of the things that when I do speaking and I've been trained in, that pause feels like a lifetime to us as the speaker. It's almost nothing for the audience. Like that, that thing actually happens in sometimes less than a second, yes. but. But if, if you're doing, if you're practicing public speaking and for anybody listening, you want to try this, I don't know if you do this with your students is, um, have them pause and have them count to three. It feels like you are up there by yourself, like for a minute. And then the other side, you're like, oh, that was, that felt really natural. That felt really normal.
1: The crude analogy I use is. I love
0: crude analogies.
1: Crude analogies are fun. They're great. Is like, is, is when you're waiting for the bathroom, right? You're out at a restaurant or maybe you're at a bar when we used to do that and you've had a couple beers and you're like, I really have to pee now and I'm waiting for the bathroom and it feels forever yeah. for the bathroom to become available. And when you're in the bathroom, you're like, I wasn't there that long. What are you talking about? Yes. So the counting to three is a great a, a great tip because you're right. It feels like forever. But to the listener, they haven't even noticed.
0: Yeah, they haven't even noticed. It's, it feels more natural to them. Yeah. All right. Hope. Thank you for everything you've shared with us so far. We're going to take a really brief commercial break. We'll be right back after this.
3: The Talking to Cool People podcast is brought to you by Jason Frizzell Coaching. Jason works with amazing people who are looking to find and develop their passion and purpose and create their journey to wherever it is they want to go. Check us out at jasonfrizzell.com, Facebook, or on Instagram. Jason loves hearing from anyone who thinks it would be cool to connect, to be coached, or to be a guest on our show. Email him at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com or DM him on Facebook and Instagram. And now, back to some more amazing conversation on talking to cool people.
0: All right, Hope, we're back. Right. Did you get any? Uh, I realized they didn't share your Venmo, and since you gave us two pro tips, I should probably I share know. that now. And you people, should. you can se- hear as this uh-huh. episode comes out, you uh-huh. hear the ching 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 ching. But thank oh you, for, thank you for that. Look at this—we're making money on the podcast. So we get
3: set I up a Patreon;
0: it. it's perfect. This is amazing. It's great. It's Look great. at this. Um, this all the other people day. who want to be all the other people who want to be guests are like, how do I get on there and have <laughs> and have people pay me through my Venmo? That seems really cool. Yeah, um, so hope. As we move in here and we've we've alluded to this, you you do public speaking training, you work with executives, you're an author. By the way, I want to give you a shout out. I, whoever did the illustration for your cover, very cool. I don't yes. know Carla, like, I don't know
1: Carla Green. Yes. Carla Green, I love the the
0: colors, works. like it's very it's a really cool um it pops. It's really yeah. cool. So for those who are listening, it's a megaphone, a red megaphone with a white, like comic, uh, I don't know what you call that thing specifically, like a blow Speech up. bubble. Speech bubble, there you go. This is, um, says speak up, damn it. And then it's got a really, really pleasant blue, like a cornflower kind of blue. It's very nice. Thank you. Um, so what do you want us to know about you?
1: Mm. Yeah, so, so interestingly, one of the things you said is public speaker and pub, public speaker trainer. And I think one of the things I want people to know is, I find communication every day to be far more important than all of those what we think of as high pressure high stakes public speaking opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think that we have a really missed opportunity to communicate better with our families, with our partners, with our with our clients, with our colleagues, with our managers. And it's those everyday communication opportunities that I think are far more important. I've spent years and years and hours and hours in conference halls and in Las Vegas and Orlando and various other locations working with people to perfect on stage public speaking. And there's a reason, there's a craft, there's it's important. But really what I think is more more interesting and more important is how do we show up every day and communicate clearly, really thinking about our audience and 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 mechanically communicating well.
0: How did you get into this?
1: Yeah, so uh a very circuitous route. uh, I'll give you the long story, but I won't make it too long. Right after college, I decided that I wanted to be a doctor. Now this is a really strange thing because I was a political science major. So this was not going to be an easy step. So luckily, instead of going straight to medical school, which I would not have qualified for, I worked (laughs) at a hospital. And one of the, I worked in the breast care center. So breast cancer programs Mm -hmm. in in San Francisco. And one of the six programs I worked on was communications related. It was looking at how doctors communicate risk to early stage breast cancer patients and how Mm. they use numbers. So they'd say, oh, you have an 87% chance of recovery if you do this and a 92% if you do this and a... Whatever the the numbers were, but so of course anyone's would think, well, I'll take the ninety two percent. I mean, that's better than eighty seven. Yeah. But what you weren't realizing was to get from eighty seven to ninety two, you might have to be bedridden for four months, or you might have to be incredibly sick with chemo, or you might have to mm. have long term debility, potentially long term side effects, and so. They were so the 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 premise was doctors are so statistically oriented that that's how they communicated and like trying to translate those numbers into quality of life was uh, one okay. of the, yeah. Which, and I got fascinated by this. I was like, wow, context is king. Like how you yep. communicate matters. And it's, yes, it's the physical, but really I was really interested in the message and the content. So I went from, I spent about six years in the hospital environment and then pivoted to communications roles and um, haven't looked back since.
0: Wow. what's um, What's the biggest gap that you see in the clients that you work with. And let's take your private clients Let's think a Mm one-on-one client hires you for uh, like a keynote at CES or, you know, I know Mm -hmm. you work with a lot of like Silicon Valley type things. Like what's the number one thing you get hired for? In other words, what's the problem that you solve? And, um, yeah, I'm just curious, like, what is the thing that that people struggle the most with it? Have them go, Hey, I need to call hope. I need to get hope in here.
1: Yeah. Well, interestingly, (laughs) If it's a keynote for for CES, typically I talk to their team, not to them.
0: Right,
2: (laughs) right, right. So
1: often, often it's like he needs help. And and then we need to like massage the ego to make sure that he does think he needs help. And typically the CES keynotes are the he's. But uh, uh, when people voluntarily want to come in, they say, okay, I'm going to reach out to Hope or I need a coach. Often uh, it's not, they come in for one thing, but the solution is typically something different. Mm-hmm. So they might come in and say, I just ramble. And I, I, I don't, I think too fast. let I get this all the time. And especially the higher people go up on the ladder, the more they say this, I, I think too quickly. Like, I, I just, I'm a really fast thinker. And so I can't communicate well because my thoughts are just too fast and I break it to them that so does everybody. That in fact, if we look at MRIs or there's all kinds of research that we're thinking anywhere between 600 and 4,000 words a minute. Really? If you're speaking, yeah. So, so thoughts are happening all the time. Like, And this is why we think that we think too fast because we've got images popping in. We've got uh, like questioning pop. Should I say it this way? Should I say it that way? That sounded weird. Oh my gosh, I'm rambling. Am I rambling? They're like bored. All this chatter that's happening but only 125 to 150 words are coming out of our mouth. Right. So we have all this extraneous noise. So that what they think they need is often not what they really need is, all right, so sure, let's structure this well. Let's do some planning. Let's, let's get your, your content in, in a place that you can let those thoughts happen. But it doesn't mean that you're off track because you now are a little more organized in advance. Uh, But it is funny to me when it, um, it, it's almost like a confessional, like I'm kind of smart and I think really fast and (laughs) I'm not trying to be uh, critical, but I do think it's funny because everybody does.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I've never thought about that in the the context of everybody does. Yeah. Cause I relate to the, I think fast thing and I've really, really had to work for years on slow. So it's funny, um, we know some people in common. And one of the things that um, that I was told, I was always told I talked fast, which is, I think I moved to New York because I'm like, oh, I can go do that there and it's normal.
2: Right, right.
0: Minnesota, I'm from Minnesota originally. People just right. talk a little bit slower there. But one of the things that somebody said to me that really stuck with me was, yeah, it's not really about talking slower. It's about pausing more. Yes. Because the human mind can easily keep up with, unless you're just like jarbling, Gar- yes. garbling, jarbling garbling, garbling, garbling what you're saying. Yes. We're, our mind is set up to hear and process what our yeah. mind, what our mind needs is the pause at the, at the punctuation to go, mm-hmm. Oh, that's that thought. Here comes mm-hmm. another one. Oh, there's that thought. Here comes another one. And so that was a game changer for me because telling somebody who speaks really fast to slow down is very difficult. And you hear this a lot. And, um, I'm on, um, I'm on the leadership team at my local Toastmasters chapter. And you hear this feedback a lot of like, oh, it would be helpful if you could slow down. And it's a very, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating feedback. And I'm always like, oh, why are you telling them this? It's like, you could pause more.
2: Exactly, And maybe People you slow everyone. down,
0: but slow down by design, use it as part of your presentation, your performance, not because,
1: because right. it just
0: sounds weird. It just sounds monotonous and weird. You
1: sound flat because all yeah. of a sudden you're so you're worried t- about talking quickly. So but po- if you focus yeah. on like enunciation yeah. or focus on pause, focus on right. something else that will help you, but not make you sound robotic.
0: Right. So we probably should not do the rest of the podcast like this going extremely slowly
1: it would be very boring for your Very listeners. boring
0: that's great well um i'd love to hear a little bit about the inspiration for the book and what and what uh, you speak about in the book so what's up with speak up damn it speak, speak up about the book damn it speak up damn
1: it i'll tell you the inspiration and then i'll tell you why it's called that so the inspiration was my spending too many hours in conference rooms on weekends and thinking, wow, there's Absolutely. a whole lot of energy spent on these events. Which on is
0: weekends? Quick.
1: Yeah. Which is, so So typically the events that I would work on are events that might start on a Monday or the kickoff would be mm. Sunday afternoon. So we'd get there Saturday morning and do a lot of prep work with speakers and important work. Yeah. And the end, uh, I had a lot of time, just many, many, many hours in conference rooms below subterranean, you know, never seen the light of day for six days. And I thought, wow, the amount of energy and time that's spent and money that's spent on on these events on specifically on one talk is astounding. Yeah. and how incredible would it be if so many other people who don't have access to a one on one coach could get the same, strategies, tools, tips that I and many many others like me are providing in these mm-hmm. in these very specialized environments. And so I, I distinctly remember where I was. I was you know getting breakfast and starting to to dictate into my phone some ideas of what, what I wanted to tell, the executive I was about to tell that I would also put in the book, and I thought this is not that hard. This is what I do all the time. Can't we just have this as an exercise-driven book for people who don't have coach, or you know, don't don't have access to a coach, or don't yeah. have uh, who don't have access to a coach, or who just um, want to do it on their own? So there was that was the motivation, and then in terms of why. It's called speak up, dammit. Is many, many people have this tendency to ask a question, except for they're not actually asking a question. They're making a statement that sounds like uh, a
2: question.
1: So more women than men. Pet do this. Peeve. Uh-huh. Yes. And so it's like we should look at the financials. We uh, should make a decision. The team needs to know the direction to go. And it's this up speak
0: the vocal fry.
1: A vocal find, Right. It's And yeah. it's this whole thing. It's like, yeah, we should look at the financials. The team needs to make a decision. Let's move forward. And so to help people with that up speak problem, you make a fist and you end your statement by slamming your fist on the table <laughs> and saying the word, damn it. So it's like, we should look at the financials. <laughs> damn it.
0: Cause then there's no question there.
1: There's no question. And it helps you avoid a rambling that damn it is set in your head. So that can be your pause and you're not going to, no one will think that you're asking.
0: The other, the other benefit of that is you get to be seen as a dictator, like a military dictator is like slamming. Exactly. <laughs> this is what we're doing. <laughs> That's cool. And,
1: and Jason, I don't, I don't actually recommend that people do the hand slam in front of their <laughs> boss, but you know, it depends on the relationship.
0: You're like, but Hope told me to do it. My coach told me, I read this grief book and she told me to slam it down. They're like, why are you being violent in the conference room? You're like, no, yeah. I was told this is the way we're going to do it. Exactly. Where, um, so the book is out now.
1: It's actually out. Yes, yes. October 5th. So yes.
0: October, yeah. So it's, it's going to be it's by the time we release this podcast, this will be, um, it will be out. And where, where can people pick it up?
1: Right. It is available by ebook and paperback on Amazon.
0: Amazon. I've heard of that company before. Yeah, the company that yes. sells sells a few books there.
1: It does. Awesome. Exactly. Write a review, mm-hmm. buy the book. With yes, yeah. yes.
0: And I will Your throw answer. um, I will throw a link, depending on when this episode. Well, we're going to be releasing this episode probably right about when it comes out. So there mm-hmm. will be a link in the show notes. Click on there. Mm-hmm. Support Hope. She's amazing, as you can already tell. All right, Hope. I would like if you would ask me a question.
1: Yes, Jason.
0: You want to ask Pat- me about?
1: I want to know if this is the thing, the, the question that I love, but I don't think, I think all of your listeners know this, but, but you tell me the experience of pivoting from sales to coaching. And what has been easiest about that pivot and what has been most challenging?
0: Mm-hmm. I've never answered this. This is a question I've okay. never had asked. Look at okay. you. Look, Look at you. Me. Let's see what has been i'll start with what's been the most challenging i came from an environment or environments where i was handed a computer handed a job description and told here's what you're going to do and then in other words um i had when i worked at some big companies early in my career i'm going to use the analogy of a river it was like i was on a um uh, I was being, I was being pulled behind a tugboat. Like, this is the way we're going. This is how it's going to go. I left bigger companies and went to some startups. And then the analogy would be, Hey, um, we've got this like motorboat and we got this wide river and you're going to get to go around this thing Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. I kind of feel like I'm in a kayak a lot of the time where I'm like, (laughs) I can, I can, this river river is wide. I can go over here if I want. I can go over here if I want. Um, and I don't, and I, a lot of times don't have a way to easily steer, if that makes sense. Like I don't have any power other than my own, all the power is in my shoulders. It's in my oars as opposed to like an outboard motor provided by somebody else. So the most challenging thing for me is needing to do it all. Because myself, yeah. like most humans, I'm not good at everything. And right. I don't like doing everything that it takes to run your own company. I get that. <laughs> like, yeah, you're. I think you and I have similar personalities. You know, like looking at spreadsheets and forecasting and things like quarterly revenue and paying quarterly taxes, that is something I can do. It is something I like to spend about less than one, one minute on. Yeah, And so kind of like the things that you need to do as a good business owner, Part of it's hard and part of it's annoying which yes. I equate annoying to hard because I don't yes. like doing annoying things like like yeah. most people I think the easiest yes. part for me is what's been really easy is um, real I'm such a people person that like what's easy is coaching is all about people and mm-hmm. so sales is kind of about people and it's kind of about the products you're selling I always right. sold like either software or I always sold like some sort of service right. So now I'm selling a service again, but the easy part is connecting with people and talking about what I'm up to and doing things. And the other part that's really easy is, I don't know, I want to do a podcast a couple of years ago. So I just do it. That's really easy for me. Like, I don't, I'm I'm similar to you. Like most things, uh, I'm kind of a yes and person. So most things I'll say yes to, or I'll try, whether it be like, you know, like physical activities, trying some of my business. So that's fairly easy for me is like, Oh, do I see the value in it? Do I want to make a time, money, energy, and commitment? In it? Sure, let's do it. So that's been the easy part. Um, uh, then there's a whole range of things in between.
1: Right. I love your river analogy. It is It is. It is so on point, <laughs> Doug, yeah. went, like, the motorboat. And now here I am with my shoulders, my oars, and my kayak. And My shoulders,
0: my oars, my kayak. There's some water coming into the boat. Uh-huh. I've realized I'm not dressed in a wetsuit and it's a little cold right. out here. Because, totally. you know, well- so just to continue this analogy, because I'm now very proud of myself for it. And I just made it up. It's right. like, hey, but I read all these books about how this kayak is going to give me exactly <laughs> what I want to And I'm going to go fly down the river. And I'm like, it's not quite going that way. Wait, there's rapids up here. Wait, there's other kayakers out here. What's going on?
1: <laughs> well, and also the part that you wove into is like, there's opportunity. Well, if I could go to that shore, I could see this opportunity or this shore, or I could just go straight towards the rapids. Right? I mean, all these decisions you make. It's it's a pretty good. Uh, I'm digging that one, Jason. You can Yeah. It. You can when you write that.
0: your second book, you can. Right. You can Give exactly. me, uh, me a credit. You can credit me. I was going to say an executive producing credit, but that would be more of a television or movie. Thing. Yes.
1: Right, I don't hope. have any intention of doing television show anytime soon.
0: Okay. But, uh, okay, so thank you for the question. That's a good one. I've never answered it, and you had me create on the fly. so you can see my uh, you, you had me lean into my improvisational skills or lack of their lack thereof. Um, so hope, hope, what is it that you're passionate about?
1: Mm. I'm really passionate about people, which should be obvious, but I'm also really passionate about getting outdoors. i I think to a, to a to an extent more than most, unlike you, I grew up in South Florida. And we spent so much time outdoors that I had a really hard time when I had to go to a corporate job and be inside all day. I felt my skin turning green and I just, to me, being outdoors symbolizes vitality. And that's just where I love to be.
0: Well, let me be really clear. I spent a lot of time outdoors just in about 70 to 80 degrees cooler than you in the winter. (laughs) Right, right. But I like it cold, so... We, 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 I actually did spend a lot of time outdoors. It just wasn't quite, I wasn't boating year round. I was boating three months sure. of the year. And then, yeah, I was wearing a lot more clothes than you were in the winter. I'm um, sure. Oh, yeah. What's um What's the thing that you're most proud of?
2: Hmm.
1: I am most proud of my ability to just take on new things. I, I really, I, I like that about myself. I like that even though I'm scared, I push through it. And I mean, the cliche answer is, you know, my family and and you know my kids are teenagers. They're turning out pretty darn well. But really, some of that I feel like is parents' abilities to demonstrate and to model what they want to see in their kids. And I think some of that is like seeing the fear, acknowledging the fear, and moving through it is something I'm proud of. Mm, very cool. All
0: right, you ready to get a little vulnerable here? I am. You said that the sky's the limit. You said you're open to anything. Mm-hmm. I'm coming in at you here. Great. Sit on the therapy couch and tell me okay. something that you're afraid that might actually be true about you.
1: Mm. Yeah, I am afraid that and I think it is true about me. I I'm, I'm afraid that I can often not be as as empathetic as I should be. So as much mm-hmm. as I see fear and I can move through it, not everybody can. And I think as I age, I notice that more in my friends and I want to be more patient about it, but I don't think I let them necessarily just sit in and accept it. I'm trying to cheerlead and coach them through it. And that's not yeah. always what they need.
2: Yeah. That's, that, with, that, that's, that's with friends. Very yeah.
1: No, it's not, I, I can really differentiate clients from, from friends, yeah. but when I see it in my friends, I have a very hard time just letting them sit in it. Um, mm. and, I, and I, and I, don't feel great about that. I want them, I want to be better at just accepting that, yes, they're okay with that and they want to stay in that place yeah. and that's their right to do so.
0: Yeah. Do you have any, I, I'm guessing that that resonates for a lot of people. I think most people that like other people, like I would put you and I in this, we really want to help people. Yes. And one of the things that, um, I'm um, trying to think how to say this. One of the things is like, what I do is professional coaching that we you really have to train out of yourself is that help does not mean advice all mm-hmm. the time or many of the times. And a lot of the wives out there are probably like, husbands, are you listening? It yes. can be, but yeah. the question that you ask is like, hey, what would be most useful to you right now? Not, hey, I heard your problem. Here's a solution.
2: Yeah, your solution
0: might be so not what they need. Yeah. or it just might not resonate. So I, I think that resonates for a lot of people. Have you, um, what kind of practices have you put in place to practice not going to the place that's mm. that's easiest for you?
1: Yeah, I. I it, there's just, it sounds silly because it's like what we said earlier, if you tell someone to pause, not to say filler words, they can't do it. And here I'm going to tell you that I've been trying to just intentionally listen to the end not interrupt, pause, give them space. Mm. Uh, And I do think the meditation has helped. I mean, that's one Mm. of a dozen reasons why I started it was to be able to sit in the silence of discomfort and be able to listen and think, I know there's all these things. I I see potential in this person that if they could get over their anxiety about the situation, how great would they feel? And how great would the world be that they were able to push through it and be like, it's okay. Let's just sit in this. Let's just sit in this, um, this experience right now.
0: Yeah. So you sit there and then you say, Hey, I'm so glad I was here with you. They leave, you go scream into a pillow or punch a punching bag and be like, GD it. Why can't they see it the way that I see it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Every coach and
0: therapist on the planet at some point has been like this client, it's like written on their face or like, I'm sure you have clients like this too. You're like, it's so apparent. I think it'll make a difference and, but as humans, we really need to come do it ourselves.
1: Right. Bring them to water. Can't force them to drink. That's right.
0: Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Uh, Okay. So hope, um, how do you see the world?
1: Mm, I see it with rose colored glasses. And I mean that I am, I am such an optimist, Jason, that until, so I live in California and California went on pretty restrictive lockdown on March 15th I think it was the 15th 2020 and they said okay we're locked down for two weeks so I made all kinds of plans two weeks later and then they said six weeks and then I made all kinds of plans after that and I never ever 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 believed that we I mean to this day I'm just so you can call that Optimistic, or you call it delusional, yeah. but I, I am. I, I but, I, but in good ways, I do see the best in people, best in situations, and even you know, as things, I, I have. There are plenty of reasons to get depressed about the fires and the floods and the hurricanes, but I'm still such an optimist. That I'm like, people are ingenious. That you know, technology will help. We will figure out solutions. Like I just have this, this potentially blind faith that things are good and. Yeah. We will continue to evolve, and we will continue to create solutions. And things are not as dire as they are. So, it's in my in my reading the news, you know, in in, in my back to the original question, yeah. reading those headlines, I mean, it's easy to get really depressed about that. Yeah. And then I just am like, okay, <clears throat> absorb it, recognize the Taliban and the this and the that and all the political politics. Be like, okay, life is good. People are good. Good will prevail.
0: Yeah. I'm laughing as you're describing your optimism because the thing in New York on March 12th mm-hmm. was like, oh, shit, we're fucked. Yes. <laughs> City shutting down. I think this might be a long-term thing. Yes. We're out of here. Like California, yeah. like you're like, you're like, oh, yeah, it's like two weeks. New York's like, Man, no, uh, <laughs> we're in big trouble. We're in big oh, trouble.
1: Jason, I think everyone around me knew it. I just wouldn't acknowledge it. I just was like in my own little happy bubble. You're
0: like, no, no, no. It's like it's just like at the common cold. It's not a big deal. Exactly. This Delta variant thing. This
1: this Delta variant thing feels very,
0: very, you know,
1: like not a big deal. Well, I did get my vaccine booster, so I'm not completely delusional. You got a booster.
0: I did. I there's boosters available in California now.
1: Well, yeah. So I had the J and J and. There was some concern about that. So uh, yeah, San Francisco offered booster like early August.
0: Wow. I had no yeah. idea Yeah, that we we do not have that where we live yet.
1: Yeah. So that's that a, is...
0: definitely, that's, that sounds like a very California thing to be ahead of the curve on that.
1: Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, go figure.
0: You all with, you all with your Californians and your recall collection, <laughs> or re, re, recall elections and all that stuff.
1: <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> that's for
0: another, that's for another episode.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: all right, so hope we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up for for this time around. Want to give you a uh, a chance to share where the audience can find you? So yes. we've got your book. We talked about that. Where else can the audience connect with you and find you? Yeah. Reach out to you? And what else do you want people to to know about you in terms yeah. of connecting?
1: I love people. Do you remember I said that? I love people. I love hope. Connecting. Loves people. I do. I love it when they share their challenges. I love when they share their successes. I love I love tracking them on. LinkedIn and Instagram. So those are my two places where I play are LinkedIn and Instagram and it's Hope Timberlake. And then for more information, I have a masterclass that is on my website and in the book you can access from my website. So everything is my name, hopetimberlake.com or Hope Timberlake on LinkedIn or Hope Timberlake on Instagram. And let's connect.
0: Yeah. And it's exactly like it's spelled.
1: Yes. exactly. It's not Timberland like the shoes. It's Timberlake like the singer. No relation.
0: Well, it's funny because Timberland is also a musician.
1: That's true. You're right. You're right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like it's not like, and, and I believe Justin Timberlake and uh, Timberland actually had a collaboration right. together. It's perfect. That's awesome.
1: It's like, it, you know, we've had a lot of water references in our episode. It's it's the lake version.
0: It's the lake version. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Hope, thank you so much for being on today. Um, thank you. Congratulations on the book. Congratulations Thanks. on everything you're up to. Last thing for us, my dear. Leave us with some words of wisdom and let's keep it short and sweet with a nice pause at the end of it because that seems like the perfect way to wrap the episode.
1: My words of wisdom? Speak up, damn it.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, Hope.
3: All right. Thanks, Jason. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talking to Cool People with Jason Frizzell. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and give us a shout out or take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. If something from today's episode piqued your interest and you'd like to connect, email us at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com. We love hearing from our listeners because you're cool people too.